And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell. He scores the ball and he rebounds well. Don't fight the future. Here comes Luca. Even losses feel like wins. Win you with your good friend Tim. It's 77 minutes in heaven. This is 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network, the only Mavericks podcast with better, worse ankles than uh, than Luka Doncic. I was going to say better, but then I remember you're no. on this call, Austin. Austin, for those who don't know, Oscar Guria of Dime Magazine, of D Magazine, famously has very bad ankles, so... Horrendous. Yeah, I was going to say better, but no, no, no. Collectively, our ankles are actually much worse than his, than Luka's. I'm Tim Cato. I write and talk about the Mavericks. We are here on a Friday doing a emergency last minute podcast talking about Luka Doncic being injured and out for a few games. Although, well, we don't even know if it's going to be a few games yet. It's going to be a few days, which does not necessarily mean a few days. But obviously, this is the primary concern. Okay, let's put it this way, actually. This is what we enter the season understanding would be very bad if it happened. And I think everything that has happened this season has only made the concerns that we had back in July and back in August and back in September and back in October feel even stronger. And the Mavericks won last night without Luka Doncic. I'm going to be honest. I wrote about the game a little bit. The way they won it is impressive and should be celebrated, but it is not necessarily sustainable. Their offense was as bad as it usually is without Luka out there. And quite frankly, DeAndre Ayton is not a good basketball player. Uh, I don't want to harp too much on the Suns, but... Um, they, yeah. they stink. Man, especially without Devin Booker out there. Yeah. The, Lucas sent them to the Phantom Zone. They were a 64-win basketball team last year, and they stink. Yeah, they objectively do. So, um, just, it's bad. It, you know, it's... it's it, Whatever stretch of game the games the Mavericks have to go through without Luka Doncic is not going to be good for them because unlike last season, this team is so reliant on him. Last season, they could survive. They could weather. They had Jalen Brunson. This season has not been that. It has like, remarkably been the opposite of that. And I think that's the concern as this team goes into this next few games because for whatever games he's out, you know it's going to be very hard to win. It's going to take a special set of circumstances of offensive players overperforming what they've done all season and defenses, you know, the, the team's defense doing a very specific type of defensive style that some teams are just good enough to exploit. And if this team loses a few more games, let's say Luca misses three more games and they lose all three of those. There's a real come to Jesus moment about where the rest of the season is going to some degree. And this is and this is only assuming Luca misses a couple games, which I, I do think is likely, but there's still the scenario that anytime Luca, you know, if he were to miss at any other point, 
later on. This is the catastrophic thing that we we feared had it coming into the season. And the Mavericks really haven't found any solutions to it. It wasn't Facundo Campazzo. It wasn't Kimba Walker. Uh, Kimba Walker did have 30 points in one game. And a loss. They just they just used it all up in one <laughs> in one game. And and they still lost. But yeah, no, he was you know, God bless him. God bless him. But yeah, no. It's tricky. It's tricky. And um am I right to say that this feels so much different? Like you can kind of squint and see how the circumstances that have led the Mavericks to this point of the season mirror the circumstances that led them to last December when the turnaround started. But as we've talked about it on this podcast, this is not that team. This is not a team that has the underlying numbers, that has the personnel, that has the identity to all of a sudden build something like we saw last season, in my opinion. Right? Yeah, it's it's, it's a different team. And also, they have different challenges. This year, they've been injured. They've had, a, honestly, this is the most... This is the worst set of injuries they've had in several years. They had multiple rotation guys miss 10 or more games. And so they really haven't they haven't had their full team together in over 6 7 weeks now. And it's very hard to very hard to judge where they are at as a team. I don't think they're near where they were last year at this point, but I think the injuries just really make this really difficult. And now that Luka is going to be out for maybe a couple of games, it's not that Luka is just out like Luca is out and Christian Wood is out and Maxi Kleber is out. Like that is that's three of their top six guys. Really, if you take any NBA teams, three of their top six guys are not going to win basketball games. And so it's going to be a very tough sled. I, I think you'll only miss yeah, he's already been ruled out for Utah. I think he'll be he'll think you'll miss the Pistons game and come back for the Pelicans game. Because I think they have like two days off before they play the Pelicans on Thursday. So I don't think this will be an extended absence. And I think they also kind of use this to get him some extended rest, get him off his feet for, for a week or so. But this team doesn't have the ammo right now to win a bunch of games without Luca, especially if Christian Wood is out. And it's it's going to take Spencer Dimwitty going five of six from three and just having himself a night and Hardaway also having himself a night for them to win games. But I think the one thing that will be a positive though from Luka missing these just a couple games here is they get to play a different style of basketball. I think they get to play a style of basketball. I think that more suits the other players on this roster. Uh, they get to play with a little bit more plays, play, play a little more in transition. You even saw their offense was a little more creative last night. They were running off ball actions. Reggie Bullock was running off of screens, cutting to the basket. I thought their offense was a little more creative um, in Luka's absence. And I think that'll, that'll help them once Luka gets back. Yeah, I agree. And I, 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 I don't agree, agree completely. I, I do agree that there is a little bit more going on, but sometimes a little bit more going on was Dorian Finney-Smith trying to create off the dribble, and that's where the offense is going to bog down. Um, these these are numbers that I tweeted and that I wrote in a post, you know, Friday morning. But the idea that the Mavericks score 108 points for 100 possessions, which would be worse than the league's worst offense, which is the Houston Rockets, um, when Luka is not on the court. Like, that's bad. That's very, very bad. You don't see a margin of that and what they score with him on, which is 120.4 points per 100 possessions. That's a margin of almost 13. There are 13 points worse when Luca's not on the court. And that's, you know, I think there's like one other player who does it, who's Jokic. And that's why, in my opinion, those are should be the two MVP front runners, especially because Giannis is having a down year. But that's neither here nor there. You know, I do think Jaden Hardy should get some run. 
I, I do think Spencer Dinwiddie is capable of doing stuff like this. He won't always shoot as well. But, you know, that's that's kind of part of it. You know, Tim Hardaway Jr. actually, you know, he had a fairly off night and they they won regardless. But if it's Dinwiddie and, and Hardaway trading off nights that they're on, however long this stretch is that Luka's not out there, and I agree. I, I think two games seems likeliest. Um, so we're not talking about a an extended stretch. But there's just there's there's very little ways for them to do what they can do. I, I think the pace that you mentioned is probably the big one that I'd like to see um, them them trying to run a little bit more. I think the defense was quite frankly helped that Luca went out. I thought that uh, you know Luca has not been in a good stretch of playing good defense over the past few weeks, and blame that on whatever you want. I think very obviously some of that is just the you know the amount of minutes and the amount of workload that he has on the offensive end very obviously that is a part of it you know maybe it's the only thing maybe that's the 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 lone part of it you know or the most important part of it but he hasn't been that great on defense and i do think that they were helped by him going off the court but this is still a team that doesn't have enough point of attack uh, defenders you know not above average ones and say what you will about maxi last season where he was going through that horrendous shooting slump he still played and he like there is a reason he still played. He was the team's best defensive player last year. He's still the team's best defensive player. Not having him out there for however long he's going to remain out um, is a problem within itself. And the same way that I thought the Clippers, you know, Ty Lue was doing the, a favor to the Mavericks by leaving uh, Zubac out there. DeAndre Ayton, he's you got two options. Either you play big against a small team or you get off the court and he didn't play well and you know Phoenix played him a ton and you know that's Phoenix's problem they can figure that out but DeAndre Ayton being on the floor like that really helped the Mavericks play better defense and again this isn't to take I'm not trying to take away from a win that was a you know one of the best wins of the season like to lose Luka in that way when you're 0-5 without him this season and rely on him that much and to come back and win that's massive and all the players deserve credit Dwight Powell especially who you know yeah, I, he played he played hard yeah I I would I would love to you know maybe maybe I'll try asking him and seeing if he you know what what I find so interesting about him is is a player who's like top 200 in the world and just accepts that there's a very specific lane that they fill yeah uh like he's not even shooting threes this year two seasons ago Carlisle's last year he stopped shooting threes a little bit uh that was like the least threes he had taken before that he kept he had he had kept trying and then Jason Kidd was like, yeah, you can shoot threes again. And that first half of the season, he was shooting like one or two a game. And now he's back just saying, okay, I, for whatever reason, I was never able to be good at this, but I am good at these things. And these things help a team win. I know that Mavs fandom has gone through hot and cold spells with Dwight Powell, but like that level of professionalism, there's another word for it even, just like almost, almost humility to accept that this thing you know, like three-point shooting that you've spent your entire career working on. Like, remember when he arrived, he was a stretch four, or that's what he was potentially going to be, right? Yeah. In the Rajon Rondo trade. Oh, man. He's and, been here for so long. He's honestly, right. he's, he's about to get up there in, like, games played where, like, he's going to be, like, franchise leader. He's going to be, like, up there. It's going to be him and Dirk just like, hanging out with all the franchise records. He's he's going to get his uh his uh, jersey retired before Finley does. <laughs> I, I think he's getting to the point where he's played more seasons than him. He's been here eight yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. So for a guy who comes into the league as, like, 
you know, supposed to be this one thing to just like, it's not like Dwight Powell doesn't shoot threes every single practice. And, you know, it just, it never worked. Who's to say why that is? I'd be curious if he had a theory, but also the humility just to be like, all right, I was never able to make this part of my game, but you know what I can make part of my game? Winning offensive rebounds off free throws that DeAndre Ayton, you know, is two feet closer to uh, when the ball's up in the air. That helps teams win, and and he's done that. So, you know, all credit to him. But all that said, this is still not a team that outside of last, you know, the, the, the result on Thursday is set up to win without Luka Doncic. And so... You know, I wanted to go on that little little monologue and, you know, give credit where credit is due because it is absolutely due to those players who, you know, went and got that win. And even though Luca is not going to miss uh, much time from this fairly mild ankle sprain by reports and also just by the way it looked, it didn't look, you know, we've seen what bad ankle sprains look like and this one did not look like that. But there's still the possibility he has another stretch where he misses a couple games and it really... You know, it's it's really hard to, you know, as, as the trade deadline comes up and you have some ideas to improve the team. And I'd like to talk about those for a second. But it's really hard to go into the next few weeks and be like, let's improve this part of the roster. But if Luka gets hurt, then, you know, it's a it's a two or three week uh, downward spiral. And, you know, I guess maybe, you know, these trade ideas you have would maybe help mitigate you know, that risk and make the team less Luca dependent. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. 
or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Anyway, let's let's hear it. What's 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 your what's your ideas on uh, how to fix the Mavs? So it's it's less about the specific trades and more that I think I've shifted my what I think is ideal for this team in the roster building going forward when it comes to trades. You know, I think I think most people would have agreed they should hold on to their first round picks so they can trade for a star. They can do three first, two swaps, trade for that secondary star. And the more that I look at this trade market and this, the players that may become available at some point in the next year or two, the more that that feels a lot like plan powder and feels a lot like the free agency plan. And that even if a star does become available, three firsts and two swaps might not even do it. They, you might get outbid by another team that has more assets than you. And unless that, t- that star, that theoretical star that m- may want to come here, wants to get traded here, and then even if you do that, let's say let's say you traded for OG and Anubi, and you you traded three firsts for him. That's it. Like you you can't make any more trades after that. And that's one player. And you really don't have any other avenues to get better as a team. So I I think I've soured a bit on trying to acquire a second star and more just trying to find high quality starters that you can put around Luca. I'm not sure if he actually really truly needs a second star. And so the trades I had were basically one was trading Christian Wood and I think like a 2027, 2020, I've, I've picked way out in the future for Miles Turner. Cause I think Miles Turner is a, the perfect center for Luca. It's based the floor play defense. He's basically just like a much better version and younger version of Maxi Cleaver. That makes you immediately better and makes you better long-term cause he's a younger player. And then the Packaging. only player from Dallas who has ever sort of expressed interest to actually be in Dallas. I'll also say that. And I think he would like to be here. So that's a, that's another big plus. Like, like think. there's a lot of players that come from the DFW area, but nobody has ever, like, Chris Bosch was never like, well, I just can't wait to go home. <laughs> and, you know, maybe Miles Turner has, hasn't said it in as many words, but, like, he is someone who has expressed, expressed that the Dallas area means something a bit more to him. I guess... Josh Richardson was an example of another player. Uh, his his family lives in Oklahoma, uh, and he really liked coming here for that reason. But you know it, it, that that stands out because Dallas is not a destination, and, and and has consistently and repeatedly proven that they are not a destination for free agents or for players just generally. So targeting the one player that actually would sort of view their franchise as that probably has some value in it. Yeah, definitely got a value. He's also. Luca friendly and kid friendly. I don't think Kate is going to banish him to the bench. I think that's the kind of big man that he actually wants and who can switch, who can guard all five positions, and then also who can most importantly protect the rim because they really do desperately need another defensive big man. And then yeah. a secondary trade would be trying to get Hardaway. And if you got to send a first or Jaden Hardy and sending that to Toronto for Fred Van Fleet, who normally would, his asking price would be much higher, but he's he has a player option that he's not going to pick up. He just switched agencies to clutch. He's going to ask for a lot of money. And I don't think Toronto wants to pay him all that money. And so you're basically just getting two guys who are expiring. and have to pay them. Cubans have to pay the tax to do this. But if you use those two first round picks, instead of 
saving them for one star. You get two very high quality role players, or I'm not even role players. I think just high quality NBA starters who fit on your team, fit on your timeline, who've played in the playoffs, and especially with Van Fleet, I think that's that's a really good Jalen Brunson replacement. And then your team has some stability, has some depth, and I think that you're just in a much stronger position moving forward. And then you still have some picks to to move around. The 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 point I like that you're making is that the moment the draft ends and the Mavericks, the Mavericks would actually have, you know, assuming they convey the first round, I believe they would have four first round picks that they could trade. Yeah, they can trade it. Yeah, they can trade up to four. Yeah, yeah. You, the, like the moment the draft ends, they would have four future firsts that would be able to be shipped out. But I like what you're saying is that the Mavericks are not going to go trade for Jalen Brown or that's even a step down. They're certainly not going to go trade for, I don't know, like Joel Embiid if Philly loses in the postseason again and, you know, Embiid is requesting out, something like that. They do not have, like, look at all of the trades that have happened and look at how they happen. It's centered around a really good young player with further potential. And, you know, the Mavericks' best young player, uh, Josh Green, does not have potential in a way that, play, you know, other teams are looking uh, for like a trade centerpiece and Jaden Hardy you know at this rate doesn't look like he's going to get the minutes or you know the exposure and, and quite frankly lately hasn't been that good we think he probably is a bit more talented should have gone higher in the draft but still a second round pick you know still not a guarantee to be I, I like him I you know like we all, we all understand Jaden Hardy has potential but you know he's not there yet and just because the Mavericks have a bunch of first round picks does not change the fact that that alone is going to get them, you know, a star level star. So whether the Mavericks do it at this deadline or whether they do it next deadline over the summer, the trades they're going to be making are sort of the ones that you are describing where it's players who are good starters. And like you said, I agree. Like, I think that might be enough if you get the right guys who fit well, because Luca's that good. Yeah. I mean, if they had just... They just signed Jalen Brunson. This team would probably be the the two seed, the one seed. Like this would be a very good basketball team. They're not. Right. They're not that far off. And so I don't think you have to hoard your picks again. What well, might be a pipe dream? I, I just it's starting to look more and more like that is going to be a pipe dream. Like everyone has those picks. Everyone has those assets. First of all, if New Orleans wants to outbid you, they can outbid you at any point. You will, they will never have more assets than New Orleans. It would take a decade for them to have more assets than New Orleans. They won't ever have more assets than the Grizzlies. I mean, mean, even Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City, yeah. And Oklahoma City is ready to make a move. Oklahoma City is the next team to trade for a big star. They're just not going to be able to bid those teams. That's that's another really good point. Just like be realistic about, you know, can they be the front runner for the next player that is uh, worthy of like front runner status. The next player that has, you know, seven teams around the, uh, around the league looking at them and, and bidding for them. Dallas won't be the front runner for any of them. And no, and none of those players are going to prioritize Dallas as the destination. So yeah, that's a really good point. And I don't know if it needs to happen at this deadline uh, for someone like Miles Turner. Yeah. 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 I, I would, I would say yes, absolutely. For someone like Fred Van Vliet, who's a little bit older, who I have, he's better than he's been this season, but yeah, I could see the argument both ways. I would lean no. But again, your point is not the specific players. Your your point is is well taken that these are the type of trades the Mavericks are likelier to make. 
Um, you know, for a long time, I said they'd make another Chris Tepps Porzingis like trade for, you know, a star who had, you know, either injury problems or, you know, something else. I do think that even that is is something that be, is, is becoming less likely. And, and it is going to be for players who very clearly are not stars, but very clearly are very good starters. That's where the Mavericks need to be looking. It's funny even looking back at the KP trade now and be like, oh, that was a cheap price to pay for a guy on his rookie deal who would make an, an all-star team. It's just two protected firsts and right. and Dennis Smith Jr. And they got Tim Hardaway. That was that was actually a pretty good trade. <laughs> I mean, this is not quite the point, but you know, watching Washington in, in the loss on uh Wednesday, I think that was. Tuesday. Tuesday. You and me were talking about this, but DeLon Wright came off the bench for Washington. Only played like twenty minutes. Yeah. You know, like would he be starting for this team? Maybe not starting, but like would he be like, you know, he's exactly what, you know, they've wanted Frank Nilakina to be. Uh, he'd obviously like easily be in the rotation. So it's just it's just funny how, you know, and like when DeLon Wright was traded, nobody batted an eye. I, I, I don't even think the, you know, the swap of him for Josh Richardson was bad in the moment, but he wasn't very good here. The point is this team needs more players who can play like players who can play 20 minutes, players who can play 30 minutes in different players with different skill sets that mesh better than this collection that they have right now that just just makes them so so specifically dependent on Luka Doncic that it's going to wear him out and it's going to wear out his ankles and it's going to you know wear him out on the defensive end so he's not playing good defense and it's just not sustainable and so whether it happens this deadline again I'm not saying for sure it will I I could very very easily you know I I could see I, I still think minimal moves is, is likeliest, but in terms of reimagining what the future actually looks like, I think you're right. I definitely, I, I think I will guarantee they make at least one trade. Don't know if it's going to be a big one, but they will make, there will be one transaction. That's the 77 minutes guarantee. All right, we're going to get out of here. See you guys next week. He plays Fortnite just like me. I am 34. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luca, big dick Donchich from the home of Melania Trump. How many kids you hit? Don't fight the future. It tears me apart. Don't fight the future. Please be nice to Luca. Future four time MVP. Oh my god! Oh! Oh! Shut it down! Oh Let's go home! <laughs> it's a wrap, Doug! That is a wrap. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.